0: It's kind of like, um, if it happened 2,000 years ago, it was God, if it happens now, it's demonic. hmm And it's, it's sort of drilled into a lot of Christians' minds that anything supernatural must be evil. Um, and, well, I, you know, especially, you know, I grew up around a lot of Southern Baptists, and... It was almost as if they were afraid of anything supernatural.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Brewery Ministries podcast. I am sitting here with Evan Rada. He is a hypnotist and a very cool guy. I met him at our brewery group that meets to discuss theology over beer. So I thought we'd get together and we would talk a little bit about some questions, maybe some things we talk about in our brewery discussions. And since he's into hypnotism and he's interested in the supernatural, I thought, oh, let's talk about his perspective on some of the supernatural events in the Bible and in life. So, evan how do you explain what's your perspective on supernatural events in the bible because i thought you might have a unique flavor of being a hypnotist Uh,
0: well from my personal perspective um, when i look at a lot of the events in the bible um, they seem to almost mirror teachings that you'll find in other faiths um, mostly uh, Hindu and Buddhist. They have some miracles that are similar and I've also found uh, certain teachings within uh, things like Christian mysticism and the Kabbalah and various New Age practices that the way they word things sounds very similar to what I've seen in the Bible over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, not to turn the showman into coast to coast AM, but uh, uh, I've someone that uh, I was my background I was raised around magicians so I knew uh, all the illusions and I uh, I know a lot of the psychic tricks so to me it was very difficult to be convinced of some of these phenomena um, but over the last I've seen Uh, five to ten years, a lot of these really strange occurrences have become more of a reality as I've studied a lot more and sort of delved into some of that world.
1: Interesting. Um, Yeah, say more about that.
0: uh, Well, what I found was, so in high school, I began studying miracles, specifically in the Bible. And the common theme that I found was that nearly everybody that performed miracles Uh, was either mentored by somebody or was teaching somebody. So the question I began to ask was, what is this process that these prophets and these apostles and people are doing to be able to perform these? Because my interest was finding a way to bring it back to the church. And oddly enough, uh, hypnosis sort of became almost the the stage one of learning about how a lot of that stuff works. Um, Because I came to find that a lot of it has to do with how your mind sort of affects everything around you. Um, And when you look in Scripture you see uh, a lot of, especially Jesus, but a lot of people discussing the idea of cleansing your mind so that your, your outward life starts to appear different. You know, so we're moving mm-hmm. doubt, faith the size of a mustard seed. All you know, um, and after you know, I, so after having about a lifetime of that, you know, about well, I guess a short lifetime, about eighteen or nineteen years old, I found some books on this thing called the Law of Attraction, and a lot of those early books that were written, mere either quoted or mirrored a lot of uh, Christ teachings. So I started peeling the onion from there. And I guess um, you could say God sort of put me on this journey of rediscovering all these old ideas that I think the early church knew about.
1: Interesting. Yeah, yeah it, that reminds me of like how all these old religions had a flood story. And so if they all also had some kind of miracles or something that almost brings some validity to the subject. And I, I think it's interesting, cause even in the Bible, you actually see people from other religions performing miracles. Like sorcerers are mentioned and things like that. And they could replicate Moses's miracles or maybe even some of the things Jesus did. That is interesting to me. Like, what do you think is going on? Where does that come from?
0: I think the modern terminology would be quantum physics. Um, It was, of course, discussed as magic back then. And what's interesting is uh, the Bible doesn't discount the existence of these people. You know, in Sunday school, you're taught that what Pharaoh's magicians were doing wasn't real, but the Bible doesn't say that.
1: Yeah, Uh, I noticed that too.
0: And a theory that, you know, what people don't realize about Moses, he's one of um, There's a huge gap in history where it appears that the supernatural for the Hebrews, those kinds of things sort of went away for a while. And then you bring Moses into the picture. And Moses is an interesting figure because uh, he's the son of a Pharaoh. And being the son of a Pharaoh, you would have gone through these Egyptian mystic schools that existed at the time. Um, so, and, and then of course, from Moses, you have all these prophets that come later and he doesn't act all that surprised when he sees a lot of the supernatural things happening around him later in his life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point.
0: Um, yeah, you know, I, you know, I'm not trying to get into heresy, but that's a, a theory that I found very interesting when I just mm. looked at. Well, he's, he knows what these he knows all their tricks, you know. He's going shot for shot with them in the beginning, um, yeah. He outclasses them entirely,
1: yeah. And we can almost see maybe a distinction there, like you mentioned, like you don't want to get into heresy or something. I think what you're talking about is more like gravity, like studying like how gravity works or magnetism, quantum physics so some people maybe like there's a school of thought where you can learn magic from like evil spirits or something right because that's something that they were doing in ancient times especially in egypt so there's that kind of source for this kind of thing but then there's also natural laws that maybe we don't totally understand is is that kind of the distinction that you're drawing there
0: yeah that's kind of what i'm Kind of what I'm getting into is uh, there's just sort of this idea that you know there are universal laws and with the right kind of knowledge you're able to sort of use these laws to your advantage. Is kind of uh, that's the going theory if you look into a lot of these different schools of you know black magic and different things and you see the same types of rituals going all the way back to ancient civilizations, even what they're doing now is it's just repeating the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you look at the uh, the good guys in the Bible, they're still, they still appear to be channeling something. But it's this sort of, I guess, you know, this good energy, this, you know, force that they're able to use in the name of God. They're able to, you know, call down fire and walk on water and, uh, uh and we're taught almost to believe that it's spontaneous, that people just start doing this stuff out of the blue. Um, but when you change it to, oh no, people are being taught how to do this then you can work with, okay, so God has, there's two different sort of universal forces that we as humans don't quite understand, you know, but they're out Mm -hmm. there and people are using them, you know, throughout ancient history.
1: So there's like good sources or bad sources that could be channeled to do something like that.
0: That's the theory, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, I always thought it was interesting because for me, like I've always struggled with the miracles in the Bible. Um, I eventually stopped struggling with them so much when I thought, well, if there's a God that can create matter and do all this other stuff, then okay, so surely He can do miracles or help people to do miracles. But I've always kind of struggled a little bit with them because I just, you know, haven't necessarily seen them, and I think maybe that's common the hardest part for me was like those guys in the New Testament they seemed like they knew they could go up to someone and heal them and that's that's the thing that like I'm like oh I don't know that I would ever be able to do that you know yeah just wonder how they did it
0: yeah um, my theory right now was it was similar to uh, what we now call Reiki. Um, because the the practice uh, the way they describe it is so similar to what happens in the Bible where if you practice Reiki you're not the one healing people you're just sort of a vessel so you walk mm-hmm. up to someone and you get yourself out of the way and it just moves through you um, in the Bible they mention healing through God um, in China they have something called qigong healing and they do the same thing they step out of the way and they let this divine source move through them and heal people um, and i've seen some really crazy things come out of that those practices uh, huh. i've heard some really odd stories uh,
1: yeah when it, you put it that way that does you know kind of sound like what peter was doing and things like that because He's channeling God he's getting out of the way. it's not really Peter doing the healing that is that is really interesting. so what, what kind of things have you seen?
0: Uh, well I uh, about a year ago I actually went through a Reiki training and I was with a, a very good had a very good instructor It um, uh, goes by David Snyder. And I, I was—we were in Vegas, and he starts talking about it. Goes when you do this practice, um, you can do it from a distance. You know, it's non-local. Basically, meaning you could do this with anyone, you know, any any place on the planet. Is sort of what he's getting at. I'm thinking, well, this is really far-fetched. So I decide I'm going to try to break this practice because. People were reacting to the process as I was doing it. And I was seeing back pain go away and emotional responses and things. So I decided to take a blind test. And I picked five people. I just drew five stick figures on a sheet of paper. And they're walking around the seminar doing their own thing, their own practice, you know, practicing. And so I went and did the process, you know, over the sheet of paper. And I went and interviewed and all five of them had felt something spontaneous happened to them. So that was when I went from being a total skeptic to starting to believe some of this stuff. Um, I've heard stories of people that have gone through um, very similar things and they've had illnesses just disappear, you know. Um, I'm not one for quitting your, you know, the treatment that your doctor is giving you if you want to go to one of these people, you know, but, um, I've just, those are just the kind of anecdotal stories that I've been hearing the last couple of years. And it's really started to, um, amaze me, even medical doctors, um, have been in some of the classes I've been to,
1: hmm.
0: which is what intrigued me the most. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, so yeah, this is something that like Americans probably struggle with, but it is more common in other countries. And I I actually came across a paper from a doctor recently, see if I can dig this up sometime, but it was a couple years old. And this guy was saying something like the human cells are basically like crystalline or something. And your thought process has an effect on whether or not the cells can regenerate and heal and things like that. So I do know that like your thoughts can have an effect on your own brain, on which pathways are growing, the amygdala, you know, the anger center, or the love and empathy center. So whatever you think about has a chemical effect on the brain that actually changes the pathways. So taking that a step further... It can actually slow down or speed up your own healing process depending on how you've trained your mind what you're setting your thoughts on and another doctor boy I wish I could remember who this was he's a neurosurgeon might be Timothy Jennings he talked about that how people who like meditated on scriptures about God's love their compassion and love center of their brain really grew and there were other people who like they struggled with anger their amygdala amygdala was growing and those two circuits counteract each other so they were saying well you know you can actually meditate on love and on god's love and scriptures about that and actually heal that part of your brain I, i always thought that was really interesting haven't tried it myself, but I should yeah. because I would like to figure out how to deal with stress better. I'm sure most people would.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, another interesting thing is uh, there was a study that came out uh, and this is, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not causation, it's um, correlation. So some medical doctors were noticing that certain types of cancers were linked to certain types of uh, negative emotions like where the people tended to have these emotions more developed these can- certain cancers um and I, I think le- anger was leukemia or depression was leukemia anger was bone cancer um, I don't remember what lung cancer was but um that's something that they've been talking about forever in a lot of Chinese medicine, is the emotional health and how it affects your physical health.
1: Interesting.
0: Um, and you go back, you know, the Bible talks about being able to control your emotions. and mm-hmm. it's, um, So I, I it, it's sort of exciting to me to be able to look at the Bible and say, yeah, there's all this biblical truth on actually healing people physically. Um, but it's sort of, I guess, hidden between the lines because we've in the modern era where we've become so scientific that something like that is so it's so far outside the realm of what our perceived reality would be that it's hard to you know, comprehend that something like that would work.
1: mm-hmm Well, yeah, in that study, and that goes along with the Timothy Jennings study, basically, there is a natural process underneath that. It's just something that we didn't know about. There's some relationship between our thoughts and brain chemistry, and then the body, and its natural process. That's like discovering gravity or quantum physics. Didn't see it before, but it's there, and that's that's really fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, I, it's blown me away over the years. Uh, the uh, I've been sort of under this current school of study the past like I'd say eight eight or nine years, and you know, I I never dreamed that I would discover that hypnosis can mm-hmm. uh, increase your recovery rate for things like cancer or ALS or it's you know the things people have come to me and told me uh, that have been at the hip, the different hypnosis events I've been to. Have Like have really blown me away. Wow. Um. And as simple as the processes are, too, that people are doing, you know, that are causing these big shifts to happen. Um,
1: Does that have um, something to do with getting the brain into a relaxed state, where it can heal or focus on something?
0: more than likely yeah. yeah it would almost have to do with the chemicals your brain is releasing yeah um, but I'm, I'm finding more and more truth to a lot of the energetic practices that are uh, that are out there mm-hmm. um there's too many things that are turning out to be true that shouldn't be is kind of how i look at it um um, and I don't entirely believe it I just see it that's so kind of how I how I word it with people
1: interesting so you're like a skeptic in the field yeah like you have a fascination with it but you're still skeptical
0: yeah it's, it's you know some of it I know how to do and I still go this, this shouldn't be working you know um, well it's you know the, the law of attraction is something that shouldn't work because it's a lot of There's a lot of meditation and sort of getting your mind worked into a certain result. And you would think that just having something in your mind wouldn't cause things to sort of manifest outside, you know, outside of yourself. You know, and then again, I've had weird stuff with that. Um, My first time with Law of Attraction, I was... uh, I had just paid rent and I was short about twenty-five bucks, so you need to buy food for the week. So I, I uh, decided, okay, well, I'll, I'll try this meditation thing. I do this meditation. I go to work and I'm walking out the back door at the end of my shift. I look down and there was uh, five five-dollar bills fanned out, just sitting on the sidewalk. You know, and I'm just and that kind of sparked me into trying to figure out like what the you know what the heck was jesus doing when he was calling forth all this stuff that you know mm-hmm. so that that was like looking back i think that was the seed that got me started huh it was That, that one, is interesting that one little thing i was like there's some truth to all this stuff you know uh.
1: interesting yeah well, thank you for sharing your perspective on that stuff. I think that's, that's cool, that's different. I think it's gonna be a new perspective for a lot of people. So that's, that's interesting to think about things that way. Thanks for watching. We're gonna pause this interview right here and hit subscribe if you enjoyed this, hit the notification bell. We're gonna pick up with part two of our interview with Evan Reda next time. If you really wanna know more about Brewery Ministries and what we're doing to help people explore faith, in coffee shops, in homes, and in breweries and online, head on over to breweryministries.org and sign up for the email newsletter there. We will see you again soon.